0: Hello and welcome to Movement, a weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, Melinda Cousins interviews a leader from within our movement and then asks them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. I'm really excited today because I'm sitting here with Beth Hoy, and Beth is the uh, Next Generation's ministry facilitator for Baptist Churches. She's also a wife and a mother of two. Uh, She's an amazing preacher, a great friend to many, and I've learned recently an amazing baker of cakes that are very impressive. So Beth, it's great to have you here. We want to have a chat about your ministry, but really for a broader sense of, you know, it's good to hear across different ministries, across our churches and our movement. So I wanted to start by asking you, what are the passions and experiences that you bring into this role that you have?
1: Yeah, that's an important question. You want to know someone's passionate about their role. I am certainly passionate about the discipleship and the formation of young people. And that's been a long journey for me, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. But I really do believe that the discipleship and the formation of our young people is a whole church responsibility, Mm -hmm. and that's something that I really hope to communicate well to the churches across our state. Yeah, I really believe that church um, ministries, such as kids ministry and youth ministry, shouldn't be something we simply outsource to people, which I feel is something we've done in the past. I think we're getting better at it, Mm -hmm. but this attitude that you... um, you get a group of uh, leaders or a pastor and you, you kind of outsource kids' ministry. You guys take care of that and we'll do this part of church. And, um, and you might have heard the term that people operate in the silos. And right. I think that has happened in the past. Um, and so there's a, there's a percentage of the church that can actually just forget that they have a responsibility to the formation of the young people in their congregation, and I, I really want to see whole churches um, taking up that mantle of the formation and care of their young people, whether or not they have children, if they're sort of, um, you know, 25 or if they're 85, that there's mm-hmm. still something they can contribute to that really important ministry in the church. Okay, excellent. I'm passionate about seeing faith that sticks. Okay, what do you mean by that? faith that uh, will last the distance. Mm -hmm. So too often in my life, I've seen friends of mine that were passionate about their faith when they were 15 Mm -hmm. years old, now uh, showing no interest in a relationship with Jesus or or in church ministry um, and just kind of avoid talking about it because it's all a little bit awkward. But they were the kids who were right down the front with their hands in the air during worship and I know it's not always something we can control. There's no formula to seeing young people choose Jesus. That's a personal journey. Mm -hmm. But I want to see pastors, leaders, church leadership really passionate about being in the scripture, in prayer, on their knees before Jesus, asking what it is we need to be doing, what is our whole responsibility as a church towards developing deep meaningful lasting faith that's not just f- sort of like a fleeting emotion with the all the emotions that come with being a teenager or being a young person there's a lot that happens
0: mm-hmm. yeah I can really hear the passion in your voice when you talk about that and mm-hmm. it sounds like based on your own experience as well like things that you've seen and maybe have grieved you and then you really want to you know what you're passionate about seeing it be different in the future for the next generation
1: yeah and I, and I definitely think for some of my friends who walked away it was just that they weren't given a good enough reason, particularly from their leaders, to, to stick around. It wasn't necessarily modelled to them how important and how life-changing this story is and how, how much it would mean to their whole life. Mm-hmm. And um, I just would love for us all to be thinking really deeply about what we communicate and what we model mm-hmm. when we do ministry to kids, youth and young adults.
0: Mm. Anything else that's
1: really burning passion that drives you? You know, I think I was one of those uh, young people in the church who became got into youth ministry because I was young. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was an active minis- member of the youth ministry. And then when I graduated, I went straight into being a youth leader. And when you've got a, <clears throat> a passionate 18, 19-year-old, there's not many things usually we offer to them other than youth ministry. So I think that's how I started. It's yep. just like, I'm young, so I work with young people. Um, and I, I was offered the position of interim at my church when I was just 20 years mm-hmm. old. So I was very young when I took over as the interim youth pastor. And then a year later, I was offered that formally. And um, I just found the older I got, my passion didn't deplete. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't something that just sort of wore off with time. Um, and you know, I realised at some point that it was a very real passion that goes deep within me that I want to um, see young people formed well and active and have that sense of belonging in the church. So that's a, that's the experience that sort of comes behind me that I I try to bring into my role. I've worked in both youth, uh, young adults, and children's ministry in various parts in the sort of twelve years I've been active in ministry. So. Um, I try to bring all of those little bits of experiences with me but also humble myself a lot um, uh, uh, in front of different experts and thinkers and and try to be a constant learner because things are changing all the time. The world is changing all the time.
0: Yeah, one of the things I love about chatting to people in ministry is how God uses your story and you know, what's mm. your story and your experience and how God's been at work in your life that then shapes what you're passionate about, what you're gifted at, what you what you want to see and, and then becomes a really important part of your ministry. As we sit down and have this chat today, we want to talk about um, what you're seeing and learning from your role. But before I get to that, I wanted to ask you, who do you hope is
1: listening to you, to you talk about this today? Oh, that's a great question. I really hope... Uh, lead pastors are listening I find in my role um, a big chunk of my role is just caring for kids pastors youth pastors young girl pastors and when I talk to them about these things I feel like it's preaching to the choir in a sense where they they get it they want to empower their church and their congregations to um, to take responsibility in the formation of young people and to be passionate about lasting faith but quite often uh, they, not that they feel stuck, but the, the lead pastor really holds a lot of influence and uh, a lot of power, I suppose, in guiding a congregation in a certain direction. And so um, I, I really have so much love and respect for the lead pastors in our movement. I've talked to so many of them and know that they love their young people and they want to see faith that sticks. Mm. But um, I feel, I mean, it's a demanding role being a lead pastor and so um, it can be difficult when you're just sort of trying to run a congregation to really step outside of that and to consider something like this, you know, next level if that makes sense. But, you know, I I really think they they want to be there and so I'm I'm hoping that if the lead pastors are listening that uh, they can be inspired I suppose and be thinking deeply about the formation of young people they really are the next generation of the church <clears throat> excuse me they are the current generation they are they are the people of God but as far as um the the majority congregation that they are the next generation of church and we want to see them healthy and thriving in church and so um I hope I hope those pastors are listening and feeling like um Yeah, there's something that they can take away from this.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. I think that's a conversation that we see them being a part of. Um, But I love that you started there because sometimes it's easy to default to, I'll just go and listen to and talk to the people who are in my area or who are doing what I'm doing. Um, And sometimes the best ideas are sparked out of that breadth of listening to to people who are doing things in different areas. That's right, yeah. So who else do you reckon you'd like to hear be hearing what you're saying?
1: I, I hope our emerging leaders... Are listening, so whether they're already young pastors or whether they're people who are just feeling particular passion for, for ministry not even ministry, just being um, confident leaders in the church uh, I hope they're listening and and um, again feeling inspired but also feeling empowered to take ownership of the responsibilities that have been given to them, whatever has been entrusted to them. Um, you know, the Bible says that those who are trusted with little will be trusted with much and wh- whatever they have is significant and important and they, the emerging leaders can be a very powerful voice in advocating for the next generation and so I'm hoping that they are listening and thinking about um, how they can be an advocate and, and be a voice um, for the next generation. Yeah. Lastly, I, I really hope that young women are listening. Okay. Okay. So I'm not trying to make this um, podcast about women's um, concerns, women's issues in ministry. Um, however, for me, when I was a young youth pastor, and as I mentioned before, I was a very young mm. youth pastor. I just found it was really important for me to see women um, in positions of influence uh, because that was really encouraging to me and really inspiring to reassure me that I could continue to be developed in ministry and and um, that I would be supported and released. And there's just so – there's there's much fewer of us. Mm. Um, and I know that in the Baptist Church of South Australia – we're really trying to make space and encourage and empower women to step up and step out into ministry. But we've still got a way to go um, just because there are fewer than us. And I, I distinctly remember uh, at a conference a couple of years ago, I spoke to, um, I don't know if you know Kylie Butler, mm-hmm. but um, she was the equivalent in my role in Victoria at the time. And I hadn't, it was about 10 years previous to that meeting that she had, when I was a young youth pastor, she had come to South Australia and spoken at some equipping conferency event here. And I mentioned to her, oh, yes, I remember, you know, 10 years ago when you were in South Australia. And she remarked that, oh, you must have an incredible memory. And I said, no, when you're a 22 year old youth pastor, I just don't remember seeing many um, confident, female voices of influence in the youth space and that stood out in my mind and that was very important to me and so I really hope that those young women are listening and um, can see themselves as as pastors and leaders if that's the direction God chooses to call them in.
0: Yeah that's great obviously that's something that you and I share mm-hmm. and um, we don't want to make it the be all and end all of what we're talking about but I think it's really commonly said you know, you can't be what you can't see and yes. I don't think that's necessarily true because God can raise up people in all kinds of situations but there's definitely something about hearing and seeing people who are like you that inspire you. Um, I think I'm really encouraged across our movement actually by how many of our young men uh, are wanting to listen to the voices of women as well and recognising that they haven't heard that, that breadth of diversity of voices. Um, yeah. So I hope some of those guys are keen to listen as well.
1: Yeah, and just an encouragement to those, it, it was a lot of the time it is the men in our movement who are saying we need to see more women mm-hmm. that actually carves out that space. So well done to so many people in our movement for being really faithful to wanting to learn under um, a female voice with of course Jesus always at the at the head of the church
0: yeah excellent well Beth what I really want to ask you about is what you're seeing what you're hearing what you're listening and guess who you're listening to so you have this opportunity to be in this role and we're uh, making this investment into this role across our movement what is it that you're seeing
1: learning hearing listening to Something that has become an increasing passion of mine since being in this role is the the, um, the concept, the philosophy, I suppose, of intergenerational ministry and worship. Okay, what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> intergenerational ministry refers to uh, intentional spaces in churches where we encourage people of different generations to to do life together more than just in a token way but to learn from each other and to bless each other and to care for each other and there's so much of the current research of there's a lot of research that's been happening in the last decade into why young adults there's this mass exile of young adults in the western church mm-hmm. um and it sort of lands in a certain age But but they find, particularly in transitions, that young people tend to – there's a certain percentage of young people that will walk away from the church, so usually from primary school to high school, Mm -hmm. then from high school into being young adults. And um, some of the findings from this research has been that uh, those young people really require a strong sense of belonging. To the church outside of their programs if they're going to belong. And David Kinneman found that one of the things specifically that those young adults leaving the church were looking for were relationships with people outside of their peers. Wow. That that was a really important part of them feeling like they mattered to the to the broader congregation. But there is so much research that's been done into the power of intergenerational relationships. I think even Richmond Baptists do a child care at a at an aged care facility, and that's something I've seen done many times. And, um, you know, sort of mentally and uh, as far as wellbeing goes, there's uh, benefits on both sides of that. And so encouraging churches to consider how they're bringing the church together rather than taking them apart. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. There is absolutely a time and a place in church life to separate um, for the sake of focusing education specifically into age groups, developmentally that work, that's very effective, but I don't think spiritually that necessarily has the benefits, um, that sort of that developmental educational side of it. I think spiritually we're supposed to be together, we're supposed to belong to each other and serve each other and view each other as whole members of uh, the body of Christ. And I think that's, yeah... To me, that's one of the things that intergenerational is supposed to right. be
0: So, do you achieve. think it makes me think about um, the idea in the Bible of the church as family, mm-hmm. and that maybe we have a limited view in our culture of family, whereas in in the Bible, the idea of family is you know intergenerational—that you have older and younger and middle-aged, and you know everyone in together. Do you think is that kind of capturing some of it?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I I had the privilege at a certain stage in my adult life of living in Vanuatu, which is a collective culture, and and we lived in a village and we Mm -hmm. saw this in action where the whole family they're all in one space and uh, by default there's a responsibility given to everybody to speak into each other's lives it's it's where they're very reluctant to separate and there's huge benefits in that and something that we really can learn from that Um, but also I think Yes, being a part of the church is believing that you matter to everybody in the church and I think we've got to be really careful with how we're communicating that. If all we ever do is tailor programs to an age group, they're never going to learn what it means to love and to serve outside of their peers and um, of course that's going to cause issues in the future because that's not really what we're called to be as the church. Yeah.
0: No, that's great. So in your role, you have the probably unique opportunity to see across the range of churches and across our movement. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Like, who's, who's trying what, um, you know? And...
1: There's one church in our movement who a few years ago decided to uh, completely throw out their children's ministry formal children's ministry program uh and what i what i mean by that is where they took the kids out of the service and they gave them their own lesson and they went for an intergenerational um, um style of church where the kids are in the service um the sermons the worship everything is uh conducted with an awareness that there are the children there and um, sometimes they're spoken to directly, other times it's just a matter of um, being aware of your language Mm -hmm. and about how you speak, um, what words you use, whether or not everyone would understand those words. Um, The kids are given sermon note pages, and during the sermon, they can do activities and notes that are actually tailored to the sermon itself. And so, they're actually a part of the learning of the body. Um, And I know for that church, that's been a real journey. There's actually not a lot out there. There's more; it's becoming more. And this is one of the things that I'm seeing. I'm seeing this the profile of intergenerational worship being raised, and there's more and more out there, but there's not a lot out there that helps churches know how to do this well and it's been somewhat clunky but i really admire and respect that they're trying that on the other end of the spectrum i see lots of churches who who realize it's they can't just throw out their ministries and i don't i wouldn't encourage that anyway um but they are thinking about when they do have the children in the service, what are we doing? Or the Not just the children, the young people, the youth and the young adults. What are we doing to be aware of them? How are we tailoring our language? Um, and Andrew McDonough has been um, doing some great stuff in um, communicating this to churches and helping them to understand uh, just when you do have the kids in the service, here are a few little tools that you could be doing to make them feel like they're a part of the church, not just... Uh, twiddling their thumbs until they can go out to their own program. And I think I'm really proud of our churches for making those efforts. And I would encourage us all to keep going. I'm a real believer that the public gathering of the church is for the least, not mm-hmm. for the most. And when you tailor your language to children, you include a whole <laughs> host of other people. Now, I'm not trying to talk down to anybody, but. When you have English, is when you're in a church service where it's your second language. It really helps when language is simplified to feel included. If you have people with um, hearing issues or disabilities, or um, you know, just people who have short attention spans, you actually open your service right. up to include people and make the gospel accessible. We're, we're really blessed in a day and age that then, if people want to go deeper, there's so much they can go there books they can read there are podcasts they can listen to but keeping the service the actual gathering open to those who are vulnerable and those who are learning and emerging i just think that's a real grace that we can offer to young people
0: no that's great thanks i like that that you know there's kind of the really radical like let's rethink and restart and then there's just here's some ways of making sure we're actually taking this into account in what we're doing Mm. what about beyond the sunday gatherings how else can churches like what else are you seeing and hearing and learning and what churches can be doing in that space of intergenerational
1: i think there's some really good things happening with mentoring and i'm a big um, fan of a mentoring model where um, and i i things that i've said to the church i'm not i'm not um, an expert i haven't done all the research like some of the books that you read but i do believe that if every single person in the church in a in a single gathering of one of the churches in our movement took an interest in just one young person in their congregation outside of their own little clan um, then we would actually see mentoring happening in this really rich way. Like if there's just one person there, and it doesn't even have to be a formal thing, although I am a big believer in making sure that everything's clear for child safe protection, that there's lots of transparency and everything's really safe and clear. But even if all that was was just um, texting them, checking in on them every now and again and asking, like, making a particular effort to talk to that person, um, that goes a long way. But at our church, we have a formal mentoring program where our youth pastor um, tries to make sure that every single leader in his youth ministry is mentored by an older person in the church and every kid um, is offered a mentor and uh, that we encourage them to be intergenerational relationships so that they actually feel connected to um, uh, yeah uh, the broader congregation, the broader, the broader group in the church. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to say in that sort of what you're hearing and learning? I think I am seeing, just back on that um, topic of women in ministry, as we've mentioned before, I am seeing uh, ministry become a friendlier and open, more open place for young women to step into ministry. I think probably the next level we have to do is just to kind of break some of the stigma um, of you know, whether or not young women even feel like they can or they should step into ministry, I think it's that next level Mm -hmm. rather than just saying we want women in ministry, how do we carve out um, open, warm and friendly spaces that actually allow women to do ministry as women. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I've seen, yeah, really good things happening in that space. We've got some amazing young women uh, in our emerging generation at the moment and I'd just love to see us continue to move in that direction and making ministry... Um, open for those women to imagine themselves as leaders.
0: Yeah, so that I think we're hearing some really practical challenges and responses to that kind of stuff. Like saying, like for women as women, so it might be around things like childcare or policies around maternity leave, or who knows what it is, but um, or some of the more um, un um, unspoken barriers that women can face of just not having been as as encouraged or not having seen it or not being as confident and needing to be approached in different ways Absolutely. what's see
1: yes i remember when it was when i was um very young in fact i'll talk a little bit more about this later but it was when i was very young that the little pieces of encouragement and um things that people suggested I could be doing and that what they identified in me that played a big role and then how I emerged later as an adult. And I think for for young women and for girls in particular, that that level of um, intention mm-hmm. is really important. I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that later, but okay. that's what I, I'd like to see us thinking next level about what it takes. At the moment, we haven't got enough, for my satisfaction, we haven't got enough. Uh, we've got a lot of female children's pastors who are fantastic right. and I really respect them. A lot of them are part-time workers, are mums and really busy and don't, Um, I'd love to see them view themselves more as real empowered leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, But at Youth Pastors, we still just got really really, it's it's not the, we haven't got the female voice that I'd like to see. And so I'd love to see how we can encourage young women more to see themselves in that space. Um, But also part of the problem with that is even kind of ranking one ministry above the other. We Mm -hmm. seem to take one more seriously Mm -hmm. than the other. Um, and like I said, this isn't a uh, criticism because I know, our leaderships really love their young people, but I think if we're, and this is part of my role being generations is recognizing the whole journey as being really significant. So how are we recognizing those, um, children's ministry workers as having just as much significance in the formation of our young people as when they get to the sort of the real, where, the age where real discipleship can happen. Mm.
0: Can I just go back to something you said in there? Because yeah. you said, um, "You know, we don't have the women that you'd like to see." And I just imagine someone might be listening, thinking, "Well, why? Why would you like to see more women? That like, doesn't. It, don't we just want the best person for the ministry role? Why does it matter to have more women?" What yeah. would you say
1: to that? That's a great question. I would say that um, the that God is God is the creator of both masculinity and femininity, and. I really believe that if we're in ministry allowed to capture the full voice of his character then we need to have space for both the male voice and the female voice but I think naturally women aren't aren't as fast to step into them they don't have that same natural confidence that men have and so um, it's really important that we're encouraging women to step into those roles so we have that balanced voice um, and also our youth ministries, our kids' ministries are just as many young men as there are young women, just as many girls as there are boys. And so having people in leadership who know what it's like to be a teenage girl and who know what it's like to be a particular age and a particular gender, it's just such an important um, part of, I think, developing formation and, and developing ministry that helps people to, to have that faith that lasts, that Yeah, that's that
0: I love that it, you know, comes back to discipleship in the end, doesn't it? And um, it's interesting you said, you know, women don't have that natural confidence, but we should say, you know, obviously there are some really confident young women and some not as confident young men, but I think what you're saying is, you know, on the whole, um, because women haven't necessarily been encouraged or haven't seen other women uh, in ministry or in leadership roles, yeah, that that probably is where that comes from.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah, and I think having... Um, as you say, you can't become what you haven't seen. So being able to see it and imagine yourself there is just so important.
0: So this is a topic you and I could probably talk about each day, all day,
1: um, but we might
0: move on to my next question because one of the things I love about our Baptist movement um, is kind of this idea of contextualization that we recognise that ministry looks different in different local places and it looks different in different times. Yes. So I wanted to ask you about what are the unique challenges and opportunities of this particular context, this particular season we're in right now. And I should caveat that because I don't know when people will be listening to this, but we're sitting here right now uh, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, so You know, there's been uh, churches aren't currently able to meet on Sundays in large gatherings. So that's where we're at right now. So it might be some related to that, or it might be related a bit broader than just this very moment. But what are you seeing as the unique? Uh, challenges and opportunities in this current season
1: yeah so obviously it's hard to avoid the impact that COVID-19 restrictions are having not just on Australia but the globe and I even talked on FaceTime to a friend of mine who's a youth pastor in the UK and he's dealing with even though they're actually experiencing a very different impact of COVID-19 um, as far as the way it's affecting ministry, it's very similar because no, no one's meeting in churches and so it's hard to ignore that. And so um, it is a really challenging time for our children's, youth and young adult pastors because so much of those formational years is about presence. Mm-hmm. It's about being together. It's about um, uh, learning from your peers and in, in in a group setting. Like It's so important and we just can't do any of that right now. And it's really, really hard for a lot of them. So I've been trying to host Zoom chats quite frequently with both kids' passes and then with youth, young adult passes, so that they can just share ideas. A lot of them have just been using that space to process what's happening because it's changing so quickly. I heard someone use the analogy that it's like we're trying to um, build a bridge as we're standing on it so it's sort of like building it as it's going and never really knowing how long it's going to be or how long it has to last So just doing our best to keep our head above water and in that sense I've been really impressed with um, just the passion and the commitment and the faithfulness of our generation's workers to be committed to the discipleship and formation of their young people even in the face of crisis Obviously, we've had to upskill very quickly in the way of um, digital learning and, and gathering. And um, that's just brought so many challenges uh, for particularly children's ministry because uh, youth is one thing. They're kind of trusted to hold their devices and kind of operate independently on their screens, not really with kids. And so um, knowing how to communicate with families, what kind of content you put out there, how engaged are they going to be, the way you would shape... Uh, an online talk for a 11 year old is really different to a three year old who i've got a three year old at home and she's she's really missing her sunday school classes and so um you know there's there's definitely a need there but um just knowing how to do it i'm i'm very much talking about the issues here not the solutions but because we're in the midst of it it's really hard to know what's good and right at the moment but more like i think what i can comment on is just how faithful our workers have been to stick at it and try to figure out faithful ways to to continue to teach and to love their young people do you think there's any opportunities in that in that that kind of like
0: said we had to really quickly adjust to kind of doing a whole bunch of stuff online and obviously we're hopeful that that won't last too long but are there some opportunities or some things we are better able to learn through that time that might
1: Carry over absolutely. I've we had to put our Easter camp online, uh, and it was clunky, <laughs> but and I've learned a lot. Uh, it's made me think about how we might use uh, online learning in the future to reach groups that we haven't been able to reach before. So rural churches have really been left on the outer, I think, um, with our camping ministry because not well. M M&M and M camps quite good at this, which is our kids ministry camp. Um, But it can be really difficult to convincingly include them and I'm already trying to think of ways that we could um, include them remotely Uh, and also how we might uh, include people who for whatever reason can't come to camp. So we've got a whole bunch of kids with disabilities who are really high care and can't always come to camp but, you know, thinking about ways that we can include them and make them feel like they're a part of that because it really is – our camping ministry is a real – beating heart i think of how we gather as a state Mm -hmm. in generations ministry and i'd love to believe that we can include people as much as possible i've heard so many fantastic stories about young people engaging in uh, ministry who they have just not engaged before because we're forced into spaces where they're more comfortable so lots of um Discourse and online gaming communities and uh, I've heard of quite a few churches who are using Minecraft to gather. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of Minecraft. It's You build a world, (laughs) you have an avatar, um, but you can all link, like, join the one world Mm -hmm. and you can interact. And for a lot of... um, young people who are used to being at home and being in front of their screens and that's where they're comfortable haven't found ways to connect with church communities and and I've heard some good stories about people connecting for the first time. I've heard um, of parents sitting down with their kids who like one parent goes to church and the other one doesn't but they've been sitting down together to um, maybe because they haven't got anything else to do at home at the moment or maybe because for the first time they're willing to open themselves up to what their kids are interested in and so I think there is fantastic opportunity for the gospel here. And I heard a great p- prayer the other day that someone was praying that online church would be a front door rather mm. than a back door um, for people into church. And yeah. I just, um, I really love that prayer. And I've kind of held that prayer and repeated it moving into this season. Yeah.
0: Well, thinking um, you talked earlier about discipleship and I don't know if this is hard because of we're in this season at the moment, but do you have any thoughts on on what this is going to mean longer term. Like we imagine that this season, this COVID-19, is going to have an impact on like this generation will be the generation that grew up through this pandemic. Yes. Um, and what is that going to mean for discipleship? Have yeah. you done any thinking or been talking to anyone about those kind of questions? Yeah, I,
1: I've tried to and I've found it really difficult to look beyond now. Yeah, And I think it's just because right now requires so much mm-hmm. attention. I have already heard uh, lots of people working in the professional world talking about how this flexible work situation is going to open up a new way that people are able to work between the office and between home. And uh, it would be interesting to see whether that has the same effect on schooling um, and whether at a certain age that there's people are more open to flexible um, education. Uh, it will be interesting to see, I think, what the reaction is when we're allowed to gather again, um, whether there's a new appreciation for being in each other's mm. presence um, and, a, and that there's a new sense of gratitude um, for being together. And um, I mean, that's my prayer. That's what I would hope to see, uh, that people just really don't take for granted the fact that we're allowed to gather. But um, I think either way, we are just got to, stay hopeful and know that god can and does use uh, things for his own glory and i I really hope to see that in in generations ministry i wonder could be way
0: off base here before this all happened um when we talked about some of the challenges of generational ministry some of it might have been around some of the generation gaps between kind of the digital natives and and i wonder whether there's something in this season that is bridging some of those gaps because it is a it's like a global experience that every generation is going through. Now, we're experiencing it differently, but we're all going through it together. And I wonder whether one of the opportunities is that we'll have that, like, intergenerationally um, effect. I don't know. What that do would think? be fantastic.
1: <laughs> is that a wishful thing? I <laughs> think that would. And even the the fear, I mean, we've been a, trying to get kids to avoid screens. Yes. For so long. <laughs> and now everything is on screens and we're we're forced into that space. And so maybe... Having a balanced approach, um, uh, like lifting some of the fear around screens, now, I'm not saying that we t- take we just keep rolling on with life in front of screens, but maybe exploring new ways that ministry could happen and lifting some of the fear of a generation who hasn't grown up mm-hmm. in front of screens as well. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting thought, isn't
0: it? And then the opposite, the like you were talking about, the appreciation for kind of embodied presence um, and again across generations I imagine that when we get that back we're going to really hopefully,
1: <laughs> it has an impact of Really, I already um, can see it I can see it's pent up, I can see young people are hanging out for the time where we can be together again and, and that's going to be a party it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what actually happens because obviously it's not going to be just all restrictions are off and we can do whatever um, but there is a sense that people are ready to be together and to celebrate. Mm. Excellent.
0: So as well as the, um, you know, the kind of in, we're in the midst of this COVID situation, um, is there anything else you've been sort of thinking about in this time? Do we we hope and, and pray and trust that there will be a, a, um, a time that things are not necessarily back to normal, but a bit different and this won't be the number one driving factor. So what else are you thinking and dreaming about?
1: Yeah, so what, one of the benefits behind uh our COVID response, we had to cancel our, both our state youth and our state kids camp. And that was very sad for, for everyone. However, what it's enabled me to do in my role is to kind of take a step back and vision about the long term goal and um, the big picture of what those ministries stand for and what they're trying to achieve. Quite often these camps run, they're purely volunteer run, which is so incredible, really. Our volunteers, if they're listening, shout out. You guys are amazing who run our camps. Um, But because they're volunteer run, we're just, we'd have to turn these camps out so quickly and there's so much involved that we don't often get space to really ask the big picture question about what it... Well, I mean, they do, but not not really in this way where we've got a whole year to think about it. And so I've actually been gathering some groups, some think tanks to really pray and discern through the, the future of the camps and um, how we can not become complacent and just roll out the programs that we've done before because we can and because we have, but really ask what God wants from those and, and how we can make them stronger to contribute to that... Um, formation of the emerging generation that I really want it to I don't want to run events just for events sake I want them to really have meaning at the core of them great thanks Beth well I've got one final question for you I was thinking about kind of what we talked about before,
0: the idea that God um, works in our lives and our story and our equipping shapes us and who we are. And so if you put yourself back into the, the place of whether a child or a young person, the kind of people that your ministry exists for, what do you wish um, you had heard or known or uh, learned back then what someone had done for you?
1: Hmm. I think um, I would hope that I a lot younger than I did, I would have realised that I was and am a valued member mm-hmm. of the congregation. Mm-hmm. I think we don't really... I didn't consider myself a contributing member of the church until the age where you would expect sort of the 16 and beyond where you can start to be on rosters mm-hmm. and do things. But before that point, I just saw that I was just there to kind of go to my classes and it was really something for my parents. Now, definitely I learned lots and it meant something to me, but I didn't consider that God had given me something to contribute Mm -hmm. to the church that the church needed, um, that the church needed me because God had created me uniquely and whatever he's given Beth, Mm -hmm. he wants given to the church. And I wonder what it would look like to empower Mm -hmm. young people, even younger than we normally do, you think it's normally around that 15, 16, 17 that we really start to invest um, intentionally how we're forming this person for leadership, how we're forming them and considering their discipleship Um, but uh, I wonder if it would help us to consider the significance of children's ministry and youth ministry if we really saw young people as contributing significant members of the congregation. So I think that's what I would have liked to have seen earlier and uh, that's what I would like to encourage our pastors and our leaders to be thinking about. How do we help those young people, no matter what age they are, to realise whatever God has given them is a gift to the church. And we need them and we want to give them a voice and give them a space to be who God's created them to be. Full image bearers. Thank you so much,
0: Beth. It's so great to hear your heart uh, and your passion and also your kind of learning posture um, to your role. So thank you. Thanks, Melinda.
1: Thanks for listening to Movement Today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Movement is a podcast from Baptist Church's essay, hosted by Melinda Cousins and produced by Ruth Grace and Kathy Turner. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest.